Welcome to the Design Thinkers Academy London podcast, where we focus on design thinking and its role in some of the biggest issues facing society today. Today we speak to a man with an inspirational goal to tackle poverty and opportunity in Africa. Now some of you will know the charity YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association, was founded nearly 180 years ago in Britain. Now it's based in Geneva and helps more than 60 million youth in 120 countries. Lloyd Wamai's job is to bring innovation to the Africa Alliance of YMCAs. We first met Lloyd in 2019 when he attended our Design Thinkers Bootcamp. It was around a time when he'd been busy tackling a fundamental problem at the YMCA. Lloyd, welcome to the podcast. What was that big issue? You know, the YMCA or the Young Men Christian Association is recognized as one of the oldest and more established youth serving organizations actually in the world. But, you know, ironically, we were becoming old and establishment. And because we work with young people, um, we started to feel that we were losing track in terms of relevance. And we had become very responsive to donor needs. So uh, lots of donors would come and say, why don't you work on this and then shift, instead of becoming responsive or proactive when it comes to youth needs. We started to experience this right about maybe 2010, as a movement, that was before my time at the YMCA, but around 2010 we started to think, no, we need to become a bit more relevant. So one of the things that we established as a core problem is that we were at risk of losing relevance. We had been active in theorizing very good strategies, yeah? But in terms of making this strategy translate to actual numbers of youth accessing our programs, we felt that, you know, we were losing track a little bit and a lot of young people were voting basically with their feet and voting to do other things or elsewhere rather than be part of our programs. So there you were, you'd realised that this was a problem, that people weren't coming to you. What did you do next? Right around 2016, actually, we called together a group of all the African leaders plus partners so what we developed is a strategy which we called the YMCA 3.0, the YMCA of the future. Developing a strategy for youth empowerment, which we called the power space. It was a very good strategy, theoretically. But now we started to struggle on how do we make this strategy, this theory become more practical. So what we started to do now was to actually prototype, just running projects which would be interesting for young people, basically from scratch. So we started going out and having little focus group discussions and talking to young people and asking them what would they like to do. So that's how the, the whole journey of the intervention started, the whole journey of trying to become a bit more relevant. You mentioned that you talked to uh, young people. What did you learn from them when you talked to them? What were your insights as a result of that? You know, the, the process was very interesting. Initially, the, the first round of, of insights didn't yield much because we actually were not clear on, on the process to go through. What we did then after discovering this was I went personally went online, started looking at what are the tools and methodologies we can use. So 
I, I came across some online courses on design thinking and they started talking about journey maps and they were talking a little bit about building personas. So we jumped into an existing project that was around youth in conflict with the law and we went out and carried out activities within this project and these activities were like we would have focus group discussions, we developed personas, we developed customer journey map. Then this is when we began to realize that actually the main insight was that young people that we talked to were increasingly, for example, more digital, engaging in spaces that were outside of the norm. And here was the YMCA that was developing activities that are based on getting young people to engage within physical spaces. So we had this whole, if you build them, they will come kind of approach towards uh, engagement with young people. But our main insight is, okay, we needed to come out of our comfortable spaces. We needed to go out. So there's this one, for example, area in Madagascar, it's called Carrion. So they have this really nice uh, YMCA building. But not far from the building, there's a small forest. And we were dealing with, with the young people who are in conflict with the law, who weren't coming to the YMCA building because of the, all the rules and all that. But they were going to the forest. And here is where they would engage, they would meet. You know, it was kind of like an open space for them. So our first insight was that we needed to come out of our physical spaces. And we needed to go either digital or can I say metaphysical? And we needed to go and find the youth where they are. It is a little bit obvious, but for us it was a little bit counterintuitive because for a long time the YMCA was developing this approach that's based on, hey, here's a nice building, it's nicely painted, we have nice chairs, come, and you can have the, the fun that you'd like. So that was actually one of the first insights that we had. So we did this process in Togo, in South Africa, in Senegal and Ethiopia. Every time we would have better insights, every time we would have better results, they would reinforce on the fact that we needed to go out to speak to young people. Another anecdote, if you'll allow me, I was speaking to one of my colleagues in Togo, and then he told me, you know, some guys would come, say, from Denmark, Sweden, where we have really loyal partners, and they would bring drums. And then the first thing that the YMCA would do there is to start a drumming club. And then he noticed that he would have only one or two uh, young people coming to the drumming club. And then he asked himself, what's the problem? He couldn't figure it out. But when we were having this session is when he said, maybe these young people just aren't interested in these drums. Maybe that's not what they want to do. Drumming is not within their interests. So again, it sounds a little obvious, but it was really counterintuitive for us because we had been operating at a point of, if you build it, they will come. So in that process is also when I got involved with the Design Thinkers Academy and I got to understand the tools a, a lot better. I've got to say those are fascinating insights and I can see totally relevant to the YMCA and, and having to change. So what did you do next? You'd spoken to all these young people and engaged with them outside of the building and worked out what they really wanted. They didn't want to be inside your buildings. Uh, what happened next? What, what sort of schemes did you get involved with? The first thing we did is develop what we call a big idea process. So the big idea process just coincided with, uh, with COVID. Now we couldn't travel anymore and uh, we were locked in. But we decided, why don't we engage further with the youth? 
So the big idea was just now a series of conversations, but that are backed by some previous research work we had done. So the big idea strategic document, what it told us at the end of the day was that we needed to have a more youth-centered governance process. But also we needed to address the second level, which is about what opportunities are we creating for young people. So the main opportunity that came about was the need to have funds. The young people want us to form like a YMCA bank, a youth bank, because young people are feeling that, you know, the lack of financial opportunities, of livelihood opportunities is a big one. For us at the Africa Alliance, what we decided to do was set up this Africa Renaissance Hub. The Africa Renaissance Hub is a design thinker studio which basically exists to provide the design thinking skills for national movements. We call them national movements, our country chapters. It exists to provide the design thinker skills so that it's now no longer just for, from an office in Nairobi where we are, but it's a skill that all the staff at all our local YMCAs have. The other thing we did was to completely shift how we even implement projects. So now we have this prototype project that's based in uh, four countries mainly. So we go to the country, we have the engagement with the staff and youth who are at risk, and then we prototype a small project. So we use the, the tools that I got again from the Design Thinkers Academy. And what we do is we develop a persona, it's very important, we develop a journey map that's based on, on research, and then we ideate and develop ideas for prototyping. So in the process of prototyping, we keep iterating and iterating until we get it right. And then at the end of the period, which is between two to three years, then they have a full-scale project that they can go out and fundraise for. And this is entirely based on a prototype model, which is completely new for us. So it's changed the way we, we are starting to do governance because we also have an, an agile governance conversation going on based on design thinking. It's changed our strategic plan and it's completely changing the way we, uh, we do projects to, so that our projects are more youth-centric. So it's fantastic, Lloyd. Uh, there you are, you've gone out and you've spoken to, I guess, your, your customers in a way, the, the youth, and they've told you things like, you know, they need finance. You've got people trained up in design thinking. You're prototyping lots of projects and uh, iterating them. Can, can you give us an example, perhaps, of one of these projects which you've done? We have a project in Ghana. Ghana has a challenge in terms of there's a lot of pressure from the northern part of Ghana where young ladies and girls, uh, some 9, 10 years old, they are forced to move from the northern part of Ghana and come all the way down to the, the capital city, Accra, which is uh, way down in the south. And what they do is they come to the city, they live in a market. I know one market called uh, Tema Station. When they are at the market, they are completely vulnerable and they are also at risk. But vulnerable means that they suffer sexual violence, uh, physical violence, they have nowhere to sleep, they sleep out in the rain, exposed to the elements and malaria. They are also at risk of getting arrested because what they end up doing is uh, small-scale unlicensed trading 
and this puts them at risk of getting arrested or harassed by the authorities. So with the YMCA in Ghana, we had a design sprint or a boot camp and it was online and we asked ourselves, what if we provided some training and what if we asked these ladies to pay for the training but the payment that they make for the training will cover for capital that we will give them to boost their trade. So if they were selling, for example, sandals, and they gave uh, $2 for a training, then we would multiply that by 10, give them $20 once they are done with the training as a loan that they would pay back. And we asked ourselves, okay, this we've never done this as the YMCA, what if we went ahead and, and did it? So they weren't really sure, so we said, let's do it with just 10. So we went out and uh, identified 10 participants. They were not willing to pay for the training, but they were willing to take a loan. So we actually gave them a loan of $50 with actually very high interest rate because we gave them an interest rate of 10%. And eight of them took the loan and all of them paid back the loan. And using the engagement we had with them, we even discovered new trainings that would be useful for them. And we also got insights into exactly what it is they would need. So for example, they would need like canopies for their trading areas. They would need a lot of support in terms of building their projects. But we gave them training that was more relevant because we were responding to their needs because we developed a journey map that told us what exactly it is their needs were. And we developed a persona that told us exactly who they are and where they are coming from. So it, it had great success because eight of them took the loans and eight of them paid back the loans. So I just came back from Ghana and there's a lot of demand for us to give more money, but also there's a conversation of their interest rate. What it tells us is that we have a potential for risk, for bankability, because normally the, the banks won't re take the risk on these young ladies, but we have a potential evidence that these ladies actually do pay back their loans. So what are the next stages then, Lloyd? Is it to just scale up then in Ghana and in other African countries, this project? Next is scale up, uh, like you mentioned, but more partners also engaged because we are not able to give the loans. So working with us are also micro-lending institutions who are very curious to find out if these are customers that they haven't served before and they have left out. So we are working with and targeting micro-lending institutions because we want to scale up in terms of the numbers of young ladies, but also in terms of the partners who are engaged and how much they are able to provide for these young ladies and even for the other countries where we are working. Secondly, we also want to negotiate for better terms in terms of the interest rates. But uh, pure scale is what we intend. We have a, a very modest dream. We want to reach out to one million young traders of this nature in, in the countries that we serve. And we want to make sure that at least we can have a revolving fund that at least has about a million dollars and we can see how this works. But note, these are your very, very vulnerable, most at-risk young people, some of who have even served time in prison, and basically society has given up on them. So that's, that's our dream. That's where we are headed. 
mean, that's a, a, an amazing target and goal. And what time frame have you got for this to, to touch a million lives, as it were? Oh, within the next five years. Wow. Between wow. now and five years, yes. We still think about that as a prototype project because I'm sure we, after five years and with the needs that we have in the continent, with the evidence that we will build, it will be possible to change uh, policies, to change people's attitudes and ideas uh, to a much larger scale than that. So four countries initially, but I guess in the five years, would you like to scale it to more countries in Africa? Yes. Right now we are present in 18 countries and our ambition is to be present in 34 between now and 2026. So we would like to reach at least half the 34 countries or the present 17 countries within that five years period. Lloyd, it's a fantastic goal. And, and, you know, we at the Design Thinkers Academy, we wish you the best of luck. It sounds like design thinking and the the course you did at the DTA has proved useful for you, very useful. Oh, yes, yes, it has. A cousin of mine was working in a design thinking farm. We went over to his office and, you know, as we were talking about the issue that we are dealing with, you know, it's the way they listened to us. They were able to empathize. And I think what we were lacking before is somebody who would have some kind of empathy, who would work with us. So they were able to empathize with us, you know, work with us on our problem. So what I then did was, I, 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 I was totally amazed. I needed to know what this, this, this design thinking was all about. So I went online, I got some online courses that I have mentioned before. But then after completing those, I was still very rudimentary in my understanding. So I came across... Uh, the Design Thinkers Academy. I became so enthralled with what you are doing and I really needed to understand the science behind, for example, the journey map and, you know, the tools that you are using. So the next thing I knew, I was in London, seated in, in the studio learning. And after that, I came back and continued to do a lot more research and learning. And I decided to become practical about it and also involve my colleagues. And that's how my journey with design thinking started. And I've been able to do some kind of capacity building. We have trained about almost 200 staff with very basic design thinking. I was just having a conversation with colleagues in Senegal. They need to understand what design thinking is a little better. There's a lot of work for us to do in that space. But that's been my journey with the design thinking. And I only did the boot camp, by the way, <laughs> because uh, when I wanted to do the, I think it's the facilitators course, that's uh, the two day. Here came COVID and, you know, a lot of pressure and I really couldn't actually do it, but I still intend to do it at a later date. It's humbling and and an absolute pleasure to speak to you because you've used, you know, design thinking for such a a great purpose and uh, to to really spread, you know, a responsible revolution as one of our mottos. Would you have any advice for anyone who is working maybe at an NGO, non-governmental organisation or at a charity? You know, how can they use design thinking or what have you learned and you could pass on advice to others? Uh, several things. I think, first of all, we take it for granted how much we need to be able to create a feeling of empathy with project beneficiaries as non-governmental organisations. So I think the first thing I would say is it's really important to invest in design thinking because it builds that muscle. A lot of times we have assumptions as NGO staff, as uh, people who work 
basically with human beings more than machines yeah we have a lot of assumptions and some we don't really know beginning to build the empathy muscle you begin to confront these assumptions in a very scientific manner and your interventions become better then when you're starting out it doesn't matter how much you understand at that point in time you just need to get into it and just begin to try out the tools the more you engage with the tools the more you engage with the process the more you'll begin to understand and become better at it then thirdly you have to break the mold you have to do things differently and i think every ngo needs design thinking in my opinion but you may need a maverick or two at first it may be painful at first because you might find a lot of pushback especially if you're dealing with donors and they have this way of working but i think you just have to go ahead and do it fourthly you really have to be malleable and make adjustments as you proceed one of the things i've had to do myself is to change the way i think about stuff when i'm engaging with one of my colleagues say for example in nigeria because they come up with an idea and it is completely different from what i thought would be the best idea temptation would be to force that person to do what you're doing but you have to be more malleable you have to be understanding and you have to adjust and sort of like roll with the punches then the fifth thing i would say is the listening um, listening and paying attention being able to listen to what someone is saying uh, what your like your customer is saying but listen a bit more to what they are not saying i think that's a skill that we really need to build even as ngos and that's really by uh, paying attention by even using the skills and the tools that you you gain i i would also really ad- advocate for somebody to do the design thinkers course but lastly prototypes are royalty and prototypes are everything i mean <laughs> within the within our our space we make a lot of mistakes and you find 3 years down the line you've been implementing the wrong project mainly because we never allowed ourselves to prototype and to iterate i really 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 uh, believe in prototypes so in a way that one of the lessons that you've learned through uh, prototyping is that there's more lending that's needed and fewer drums that are needed Exactly there you go there you go it it's more about getting to know what is the core need the drums will come later but if you have the micro loans i mean then uh, somebody will have uh, the livelihood and they can spare the time to come to the drumming club but if you start with the drumming club they might not be able to have the time and the space to be able to participate so you're right it's more the micro loans than the drum and then again it depends on when those guys who are at the lowest strata of the community the customer who is seemingly not able to buy your product there's a lot of surprise in that space but nobody ever listens or pays attention to them as much as they should i know there's a lot of attention i know there's a lot of policy but there's an there's an empathy that's needed and i think we are not being able to empathize enough and i think design thinking is the way to go about it and it's just a skill that everyone needs to have even if you want to grow professionally i think it's a, it's an awesome and fundamental skill lloyd we wish you the, the very best of luck with your five year plan and any other projects that you start 
and we'd love to keep in touch with you and see how you're doing. But thank you so much for sparing the time today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me and uh, thank you again to the Academy. I think you, 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 you guys are doing a fantastic work and I hope to come back to London soon and do a little bit more. Okay, a well, lot more. Well, we'd welcome you back with open arms anytime. Thanks to Lloyd for joining us today and sharing his story. If you're interested in learning more about the Design Thinkers Academy London and their courses, visit the website at designthinkersacademy.co.uk or follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Many thanks for listening and look out for further podcasts soon.